Sean is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. Build the bomb. Build the bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to Witty Not Funny Sports Live. The self-rated number one Buffalo sports show covering the Bill Savers Entertainment and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go check all the shows Built in Buffalo is giving you every single day. Best Bills content out there. YouTube, Facebook. Uh, hopefully you watch The Basement before us. Watch Off the Edge on Saturdays. The Blitz on Tuesdays. Everything Built in Buffalo is giving you. Always the best. Uh, of course, we are your host. I am at He's Tony. Tony, how are you doing uh, fantastic, Matt, from what I can understand of you. It's uh, uh, a great night to be alive here in Western New York. That it is. Big Bills win on Sunday against the Dolphins, wrapping up the AFC East title for the fourth straight time. Uh, Tony, before we get to our big special guest and uh, listeners, viewers, thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight to Witty Not Funny Sports Live. Uh, please like, comment, subscribe, take a second, do all that. We really appreciate that. We really appreciate you, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Uh, Tony, before we get to our special guest, uh, let's plug our apparel store, our t-shirt store. Uh, everyone check out teespring.com, search Witty Not Funny, or Google, search Teespring Witty Not Funny. Check out all our designs, all original designs. Get your gear for the bills playoff run hopefully a long bills playoff run but uh check out all the cool original designs in our store support the podcast today teespring.com search witty not funny or google search witty not funny teespring and we're your first result so all original designs all awesome t-shirt t-shirts crewnecks hoodies we got it all all colors all sizes uh get something for yourself or your loved ones today uh, Tony, we don't have time to waste, though. Let's bring on Not a second. our special guest. Are you ready? Yep. I, I Very Let's much. Do it. Very much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, everyone, welcome. Uh, his second time to the show, Mr. Alan Saunders, beat reporter for Steelers Now, here to talk some Bill Steelers with us. Alan, how are you doing? Welcome back to the show. I'm good. What's up, guys? You You must not have scared me away too badly the first time, so that's... That's good. That's good. always good to be invited back. You know, like, you know, it's always things must have gone okay. <laughs> it did okay, okay is a good way I to think describe so. it. I think that's yeah. a safe way to put it. <laughs> uh, we talk Bill Steelers. Everyone, leave your comments. If you have a question for Alan, he is in the locker room with the Steelers. He is on the front line with the Steelers. He knows the ins and outs of the Steelers organization and what is going on and what their weaknesses are and their strengths are, and we'll get into all that. But if you have a question, please 
leave it in the comments. We'll we'll get to it and have Alan address that. Uh, Alan, I do have to uh, take care of a couple footnotes before we start our talk here. Uh, first of all, welcome to the uh, illustrious, the esteemed group we call the Double Dippers Club, being a second time guest. So your official Double, double Dippers jacket will be in the mail. So look out for that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, your profile says on, on Twitter, make sure you follow it out, follow Alan and uh, we'll, we'll give Alan's uh, Twitter X handle uh, before he departs here tonight. But uh, your Twitter profile says award-winning podcast guest. So I guess by the transitive property, I think that makes us, Tony, an award-winning podcast. Congratulations, Tony. I thought Tony. we already were. We did it. Congratulations to you. Yes. <laughs> It's uh, Alan, I guess you'll be sending our award then <laughs> in like the mail, Amazon Prime, something, I, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, something like that. I actually, I was on um, uh, Kelly Gramlich and Eric McLean do a podcast for the ACC Network, and uh, they had a whole off-season thing, and I was covering Pitt at the time, and they had me on, and the Pitt uh, uh, episode got the most views, and if you know anything about, well, the ACC and Pitt, they're not... They're not the best uh, and the brightest, right? Like, and so uh, we made a big deal about it, and they they sent me like a whole gift basket <laughs> as like the award winning podcast guest. So that's been in my Twitter bio since then. Maybe I will bring this podcast to bigger and better things. I don't know. We'll we'll try. We'll, we're gonna get we're gonna give it the old the old college try. I got accepted to Pitt. I don't know the the, the brightest <laughs> moniker there. Well, not an athletic. I don't know right? what that like, says I mean, about they're, me. They're, 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 they're kind of like a, they're kind of like an eight. Oh, okay, okay. You know, they're just they're just there. You know, they're not. Kenny Pickett was good. I got them. Other than that, it's been a pretty forgettable forty years for Pitt football. <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, I'll let it slide. Uh, and finally, Tony, uh, I think we need to give Alan a disclaimer that everything and anything we know about Pittsburgh and the people of Pittsburgh solely comes from the Kroll Show skit, Pennsylvania. <laughs> For anybody that watched the Nick Kroll Show on Comedy Central, there was a skit called Pennsylvania, which had to do with pawn shops in Pittsburgh and one in Philadelphia and all the stereotypical tropes. You could imagine, and that's all Tony and I know. So, Tony, right? Yeah, Matt, I texted you in the middle of the week, and you asked me, do you have any questions for Alan? And I said, my only questions would be completely informed by Pennsylvania. I know nothing else. <laughs> and my response was, darn, mine too. Yep, so that's where we are. That's where we're at. I, I'm, uh, I'm but familiar. Alan, again, need... thank you for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Exactly. <laughs> I, oh, I, need, you're I, don't have any, I don't I've I've never seen this show, so I don't know I don't know I don't have any response to the uh to the tropes. Well, but look, if there are tropes about Pittsburghers, they're probably correct. They're very well known uh at this point. But uh yeah, I, I've never I, I'm gonna have to look up the skit now because that's probably a good one. We'll, we'll send you we'll send you the link. It's a class. We'll send you some right. YouTube links. All right. Alan, let me ask you this regarding <laughs> Pittsburgh in the media then what is in your eyes Pittsburgh's best representation in fictional TV or movies like like the one where we look the best or the most accurate both uh, or either oh that's a good one um let's see Pittsburgh's best representation in film or movies um I mean 
like sadly accurate. There's a show, I think it was on it wasn't on HBO. I think it might have been on Showtime called I want to say it's called American Rust with Jeff Daniels as the lead. It's very dark. Um, he's like the sheriff in a small town uh full of drug addicts in the post steel mill uh 1980s Pittsburgh. And man, like that that is uh nailed on in terms of what it was like growing up here. It's much better now. But I feel like that is one of the uh, the the things that uh, really captures sort of what what we're like. Um, trying to come up with one that makes us look better than that. Uh, <laughs> and um, man, I, I don't know. There's not we're not a we're not a notoriously film friendly city. They do make more movies in Pittsburgh than than they used to. You know, people don't come to Pittsburgh for the. Uh, you know they're they're here because they want to film a depressing movie, right? I mean that's that's kind of the way things go. I don't know that I have a good answer for that. Adventureland is the one that keeps coming to my head. It's like a ridiculous oh. 2000s comedy, which is set I love that movie. about an amusement uh, park in Pittsburgh. And I think there's a very um, Pittsburgh's a big college town. We talked about Pitt already, and I think that movie has some like growing up uh, as as a like a young adult tropes that that fit the sort of the vibe of maybe my generation of pittsburghers anyway hmm. the only other one that i had in my eyes were or in my mind was uh in that thing you do the show in pittsburgh the vicksburg in pittsburgh yes i mean there are a lot of movies that were filmed here like uh, anytime Dark tony can reference that thing you do he does. The, the Dark Knight yeah. was filmed here. I just don't know that we. Oh really yeah, that's another one. Yeah, much in common with fictional Gotham. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I guess uh, uh, the um, the other thing that was filmed here was that I really enjoyed. Although I don't know really how much it, but it was the Mind Hunter series uh, that was filmed here as well. And it really looks like Pittsburgh, even though it's not set in Pittsburgh. But you can you can really see the city and kind of the if you. <laughs> <laughs> that's it if you either you want to film something depressing or you want to film something where it looks like it might be the 1970s we can do either one for you that <laughs> that, that works either way i was gonna and, say mike tomlin's coaching performance this year might be best compared to or might be the best performance pittsburgh has seen since uh john claude van damme and sudden death that was also filmed in pittsburgh so filmed in pittsburgh that's another trope uh, but alan let's get into this bills steelers matchup uh big wild card weekend uh i don't want to just talk about the weather which seems to be on the tip of everyone's tongue these days uh but for bills fans who are tuning into this uh program just walk us through a quick like two, three minute elevator pitch of uh, the Steelers season and kind of the roller coaster that it has been with Matt Canada and him getting fired midseason, much like the Bills fired their OC in the midseason, going through three quarterbacks, uh, you know, all the injuries and whatnot to to defensive stalwarts like TJ Watt now and, and Minka Fitzpatrick has been banged up this year. So give us like the, the quick overview of, of the Steelers. Uh, your thoughts about the Steelers season uh, this this year? Yeah, it's been a lot. Um, I actually went through like a little bit of PTSD there, just as you were like recapping <laughs> everything that I've covered in the last <laughs> six months. Uh, yeah, it's it's 
you know, early in the season, uh, first week they get blown out by the San Francisco 49ers, and it, it sure looked like this was not going to be a very good year. And then they went through this long time period where they found a way to win games that they probably did not deserve to win. They didn't play very well on offense. Kenny Pickett didn't play very well. It was a, like a very obviously flawed team that relied on like a ton of big plays from their defensive stars. And they just like would hang around, hang around and then beat a team. Like they beat the Browns. They got a pick six in the first play of the game. They got a fumble recovery for a touchdown late in the fourth quarter and basically did nothing like the whole 60 minutes in between. Uh, They played the Ravens and the Ravens dropped every pass. It was just like a team with a good record that didn't feel like a good team. And then Kenny Pickett got hurt. The bottom fell out and they had one of the worst three game stretches I can really remember, certainly in my time covering the team, they lost back-to-back home games to two win teams in December. And it sure seemed like the season was over at that point. And then out of nowhere, third quarterback Mace Rudolph led the team to an incredible three-game rally, scoring more points than they had at any point in this season, actually looking like a somewhat dangerous offense, and basically eliminating... The Bengals and the Seahawks were the playoffs in back-to-back weeks before beating half of the Baltimore Ravens in a monsoon to put themselves in playoff position. It's been a ride, uh, and I honestly am not quite sure how we got to where we are right now. <laughs> so, Mason, you talked about you having PTSD from the season recap. Did Mason Rudolph ever have PTSD from, like, a player taking his helmet off and smacking him with it. Surprised he's still able to function. The the Steelers were playing the Browns this year and the Kenny Pickett was in a quarterback. They, they did a quarterback sneak on a fourth down. Pickett ends up at the bottom of the pile and his helmet pops off and it literally rolls directly to the feet of miles Garrett. He is the only person around and he picks up Kenny Pickett's helmet and like three Steelers run over, like no, 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 no. We know what you can do with that, man. Uh, no, you can't. That, that's not a thing. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, Mason Rudolph, man. What a career! What a what a career arc, right? Plays in 2019. Um, you know, doesn't play that well. Gets a a concussion on a huge hit against the Ravens, and then the the incident with Miles Garrett, and and no, um kind of gets forgotten about, right? Gets pushed to third on the depth chart forever. Uh, Plays like two kind of uninspiring games, uh, one on a random week 17 game and one when Ben Roethlisberger had COVID, neither of which really moved the needle for everybody. He was a free agent for a month this this spring and nobody called. And then all of a sudden, he's the savior of the season. It's it's been, uh, frankly, uh, unbelievable. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think... About half of the fan base is all in on Mason Rudolph starting and uh, you know printing the jerseys and, and ready for him to be the starting quarterback of the future. And the other half is just waiting for the other shoe to drop because this can't possibly be happening. That makes total sense. Uh, it, it does feel like almost like kind of a mere copy of the Bills offense or the Bills season with their, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, their offensive coordinator getting fired kind of like the Steelers started really hot. I think they were seven and four at one point before faltering. And then, you know, like the bills winning those final couple games to get into the playoffs. Um, what have the vibes been around the team throughout this season? Um, I, I saw you, you tweeted, and if you don't follow Alan on, on 
Twitter, please go to our Twitter at WeSports716 there. Give us a follow and then follow Alan. Uh, we tagged him on this post. But uh, you mentioned earlier, like, the Steelers' locker room coming into this game is, like, weirdly confident. Is that just kind of a uh, a front, much like, you know, teams just do in the playoffs when they're 9, 10-point underdogs, whatever Vegas has them at right now? Or do you think, like, this team actually thinks, like, Mason Rudolph can – go to an away game and lead them to victory and a TJ Watt team at that. I don't think it's just, I mean, as I, the Steelers two years ago were 14 point underdogs going into Kansas city. And like that team was like shuffling off to its slaughter and like everybody knew it. Like this feels different. I think part of it is just, they've been in three straight must win games already. And I think they feel I, I think there's a house money aspect to it where three weeks ago, the New York Times had them as a 4% chance to make the playoffs. Like, I, I don't think anybody, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say the players didn't believe, but the expectations were that they would not even get this far and they've been playing really well. And, and I do think there is some of that. I also think the Steelers have a sort of weird, uh, coaching paradigm where people around the country love and respect Mike Tomlin Steelers fans uh, are actually generally not a huge fan. And, but one of the, and, and, and I, I think there's some points to be made by both of both those sides. But one of the things he's pretty unquestionably good at is coaching against teams. He's familiar with the Steelers went five and one in the division this year. Uh, they've never finished last in the entire history of the AFC North. And I do like they are good at playing against teams that they see over and over again. This will be the sixth time in five years that the Steelers will play the Bills. If you count the preseason game earlier this year, I, I get the sense that a lot of this confidence I'm feeling from the locker room right now is like, hey, we've got a plan. And like, is it going to work? I don't know. But I do think they that there is a plan that the Steelers players have seen and, and are and are buying into that they think they have a chance to win in a sig- more, far more significant way than I remember uh, from that Kansas City game two years ago. Mm. So it sounds like you're kind of thinking, like, what's what's really, like, the source of this uh, of this confidence? Like, you said Mason Rudolph a lot. Like, does that really – like, is that the catalyst of this confidence? Is, like, yeah, Rudolph is slinging it, so we're rolling with that. And is that kind of, like – is that the essence of the game plan in their minds or is this a Tomlin? Like, what do you, how do you think they're going to approach this game from the game plan perspective? Well, Rudolph's been playing really well, but he also hasn't been like the, the guy, like it's not like he's throwing for 500 yards and four touchdowns in all mm-hmm. these games, you know, like he's still very much playing within the offense. Uh, he's not turning the football over. I think that's uh, been, been a big key for them. Uh, they're running the ball really, really well. They have been running the ball really, really well. Uh, for the last few weeks, um, but the last two weeks have, have been probably Najee Harris's best two games, uh, maybe considering the stakes, his best two games as a Steeler. Uh, I think they're they're getting hot. I just I think that's probably it. I think when a team comes into the playoffs, they, they can pretty honestly say they probably played three of their best four games all season in the last three weeks. I, I think that's a good part of it. And then I do think that that Mike Tomlin has these guys believing in whatever sort of game plan he's put forward in a way that feels 
feels real and feels significant. You know, the offensive coaching staff, since they fired Matt Canada, you know, didn't go really well at first. But I have to give them a lot of credit these last couple of weeks. You know, they came in with very different game plans for each of those three games. And and it's not like they're spamming the same thing over and over again and having success. You know, they've they've diversified a little bit. I don't think it really rests on one player at this point. So I think there's – I understand the optimism from the locker room. I also understand that the Bills are a heck of a lot better football team. So we'll see how far that optimism goes, but uh, I, I definitely feel it. Hmm. How has this um, Eddie Faulkner-Mike Sullivan combo – Eddie Faulkner was promoted to interim offensive coordinator, Mike Sullivan – it seems like it's handling play calling duties. How has that different differentiated itself from um, what Matt Canada was doing, which was seemingly uh, everything the players didn't want to do? <laughs> there's a there's a great video of uh, Kenny Pickett in the middle of the season throwing the game winning touchdown pass to I think it was Pickens. I forget which game specifically because we're Bills fans here, obviously. So, uh, well, but then yeah, they yeah. show Matt Canada up in the booth and he was, and he was like mad that they won the game because I think Pickett audible out of the play call Canada wanted, but, uh, or called, but how has Faulkner and Sullivan kind of, uh, put their stamp on this offense? How has it changed from the Matt Canada days? I just think they're call Like, I think they're, their game plans feel better. It's the same playbook. I mean, I haven't seen, maybe one or two. I haven't seen a ton of like brand new plays that I haven't seen before. I just think the game plan works better where it, it feels more intentional about what they're trying to do to an opponent and what the goal is of the offense for that game feels like you can see it. Like, you know, even if you're not in the huddle, like you can kind of watch the offense and it seems like they're calling plays with an intent and a purpose. Felt like Matt Canada had a decent scheme, but would just like, was like he was calling the game with his eyes closed like they would call a play and then they would call another play that didn't have anything to do with the previous one and didn't set anything else up in the future and and it seems like they've they've really honed in on that i think they're managing the two running backs much better uh, you know splitting the carries and there's playing time between Najee harris and jalen warren but also like featuring the guy that happens to be working better that day uh to to a better extent than they were before um, that change also like sort of corresponded not quite but but just about with the change they went with Broderick Jones their first round pick at right tackle he's been a really good run blocker for them and that I just think the running game being better makes everything work better on an offense that was designed from the beginning to be able to run the football and they really couldn't for the first half of the season I, I think like it, it it's been interesting to see not only the shift on the field from the Steelers, but almost a shift in attitude. And that usually happens when there's new change in coordinators or coaches or whatnot. We've seen throughout this season, coordinators or coaches getting canned and the team coming out the next week and just being rejuvenated for some in way, in some way, shape or form. But um, I, and there's been from what I can tell, and you're on the inside. So tell me if I'm wrong, but there's been a ton of reports about, Pickens attitude there's been a ton of reports about Deontay Johnson's attitude um and it's affected my affected my fantasy team both those guys so I, I pay attention trust me <laughs> um but ha has has that attitude within the locker room changed uh now that they are in the playoffs and uh you know 
whether it's, you know, not blocking on a run play or, you know, not running their route to the, the full speed. Do you see a, do you see an attitude shift from these Steelers coming into this game? I don't think there's an attitude shift from the team as a whole, but it's a, especially on offense. It's a very young offense. Um, Isaac Sayamalu, they got as a free agent from the Eagles this offseason. He's the left guard. He's really the only guy in this offense that has like had any kind of playoff success. Like they're, they're just, they're young and they don't know what they don't know. And I think that a lot of these guys need to grow up. Uh, and I think like Deontay Johnson, isn't that young. And, but I think there's, there's a, just a, when you don't have like been that many and, and Isaac Samalu also nearly silent man. Um, so like not the one that's going to be, you know, raw rying the troops, you know, like he's done it, but he's, you know, he's, he's not, not that personality type. And so I just think that they, they kind of lost their way in terms of leadership and um, focus on, on what, what really the, the big picture was. And I don't know if it was Mason Rudolph that helped them find that. I don't know if it was just overcoming adversity as a team that helped them find that, but I think it's real. And I think it's, happened that there feels on offense. I never felt any of that on the defensive side of the ball. All that was all the offensive guys, mostly the skill position guys, but it does feel different uh, now as we, as we move into the playoffs, especially compared to five or six weeks ago. So if this new uh, sort of like coaching staff dynamic has uh, I guess like plugged some holes or, or at least, you know, figured out some, some adjustments to make, like you said, what's something the Bills can look to, you know, like where's where's the weakness? Like what are some players or positions that you think the Bills would look to exploit uh, this in this coming game um, since some of what was weaknesses have now turned to strengths? And is it just as simple as, you know, TJ Watt is out, like exploit there because you know that there's a depth uh, situation or, or should the Bills game planning be looking elsewhere? I think the big thing that maybe people in Pittsburgh haven't talked enough about is that over this three-game stretch, at no point have the Steelers gotten Mason Rudolph into a place where he had to throw the football. They were connected in every game, even if they weren't winning. You know, it was one score, whatever. Um, he ran one two-minute drill against Baltimore. It was in a monsoon, so, like, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. But it was by far the worst two-minute drill the Steelers have had all season. Okay, he fumbled the ball <laughs> twice. The second one got turned over and it wasn't going well before that fumble. He's not very mobile and they don't pass protect particularly well. So if I'm Buffalo, the, the game plan has to be get whether you do it by, by your defense stopping the run or you do it by your offense scoring and making them keep up one way or the other. Buffalo has to get the Steelers in places where they put Mason Rudolph in obvious passing situations, because I think Buffalo's pass rushers are outstanding. And I think they have a clear, clear talent advantage in the pass rush inside and outside. And, but, but, and the Steelers have minimized that by staying in games and staying on schedule from down to down. So one way or the other, either get them in third and long or get them down by two scores and I think this game tilts pretty heavily towards Buffalo if that can happen. Do you yeah, think like how much confidence um, how much confidence sorry, sorry, man. How much confidence do you no, have no, in 
we'll get to the question. How much confidence do you have in the Steelers line? If you, I mean, you're very complimentary towards our pass rush, towards their defensive line. So in that, what do you make of that trench battle? I think the Steelers can run the ball on the Bills. I mean, especially, you know, with, with the fact that, like, since the Milano injury, Buffalo's basically only played nickel. Like, it's – it's and the Steelers are going to go heavy against it. They're going to play two and three tight ends, try to make Buffalo adjust. Um, but I think the Steelers can run the ball. I don't think they can protect Rudolph if the, the Bills' pass rushers get in a place where they can really pin their ears back. Um, so we'll see. You know, look, if the weather's miserable – Maybe, but neither team is going to want to throw the ball. I don't know. I, I think the weather is a big wild card in the wild card. Uh, and, and maybe, you know, the best laid plans kind of go to the side if there's, uh, f- you know, inches per hour of snow falling during this game, but or, or 50, 60 mile an hour wind gusts either way. Uh, b- but if it's, an, you know, a kind of normal football game, I think Buffalo is definitely going to want the Steelers to be trying to throw the ball in obvious passing situations. I do think the Steelers can can run the ball. And, you know, I, I think the other way, I, I think Buffalo can run the ball too. You know, I've been super impressed by you know, the last, what is it, five or six weeks now of the way this offense looks and the way they've utilized James Cook. I, I think he's a f- huge factor in this game. I don't think many people would think that the Bills at the beginning of this year would be looking at a playoff game where the game plan was, hey, maybe take the air out of the ball this time. But you know, the Steelers live on that turnover. And I think Josh Allen is the turnover guy. Like, like as, as, as much as he is their best player, I think James Cook is certainly good enough to shoulder a heavier part of the load than he has at every point this season and and take that turnover card out. of. Like, I think the Steelers' really only chance to win this game is if Buffalo helps them win it. You know, I, I really believe that. and mm-hmm. And too many times this year, Buffalo has done that, and and usually it happens when the football's in Josh Allen's hands. I think if I'm both teams, really, I want to try to run the ball, and I think both teams will be able to run the ball. I think that's the sentiment around here, too, is like the Bills, if the Bills lose, it'll be most likely because they beat themselves uh, because we're so used to them beating themselves. Um, if not, and really as of lately in the last like quarter of the season – we just beat ourselves. We just didn't do it for the entire game. So, it, you know, we or we didn't do right. it for enough of the game. They'd yield a little loss. <clears throat> so what about on the we, other side? We always say the Bills' think? biggest opponent, right, Tony? The Bills' biggest opponent is it's ourselves. Like mm-hmm. I said, uh, I said earlier this week, it, it's never a good thing when you're in a playoff game and your game plan involves your opponent needing to shoot themselves in the foot. But uh, the Bills are basically like a three-year-old with a revolver at this point. So, like, actually, your chances aren't that bad. You know, like, you you could it could come true. It's the it's the Josh Allen experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every everything is edge of your seat, either amazing or it's like, what are you doing? Um, as a, as we saw, like, what, what was two weeks ago, Tony, when he was just like decided to lateral like out of nowhere during the game oh yeah that was that was fun a couple of times like that was like that was fun oh yeah for fun is fun is probably a better word Uh, i want to get to a question here from uh twitter x uh and listeners and viewers please leave your questions if you have any but uh how do you think the steelers will cover kincaid i think this is a good question because we've seen the emergence of dalton kincaid especially in the middle of the field these 
towards the end of the season or these past couple of weeks. And even going back to when the Steelers played the Bills in the preseason, yes, it's second stringers and whatnot and not full game plans, but that was really the first game. And, and Tony might have a different opinion, but that was really the first game that I said, like, oh, this is how we can use Dalton Kincaid effectively. Oh. And, uh, you know, we always say on this show, like, he can be too athletic for a linebacker, and he can be too big for a, a nickel slot corner. So he's really a, an X factor, in my opinion. Uh, so how do you think the Steelers cover Dalton Kincaid, and do you think he will be a factor? And do these Steelers have trouble covering tight ends in the middle of the field that you've that you've seen this year? Yeah, my my gut instinct is they're going to cover Dalton Kincaid poorly, and uh, that's. Based on the fact that that's how they've covered pretty much every tight end all year. Be honest. (laughs) Now, look, the Steelers have started seven different inside linebackers and seven different safeties this season, which feels like it probably has to be an NFL record, but I don't really want to do the research that would be involved to look that up. Uh, They've had, they have two inside linebackers that are out for the season with injuries, both of their starters. They have two strong safeties that are out for the season. One was a co-starter and and his direct backup. Minka Fitzpatrick had missed missed several weeks with a hamstring, played through a broken hand, and now might come back this week, he says he will, uh, from a knee injury. It's been a disaster in the middle of the field for the Steelers' defense. And um, Elandon Roberts, who I'm sure Bills fans are familiar with since he's been in the division his entire career until now, uh, was signed by the Steelers to be like, they're like veteran old guy in the linebacker room to like keep things together. And uh, my, my like mental picture for you of a Landon Roberts is like um, a guy with, with like a roll of duct tape and, and a, and a bale wire, just like repairing a house all season. Like he's just been there in the middle of like, things are falling apart and he's just like, Oh, we'll, we'll patch that up over there. Or uh, I don't know. Let me, let me see if I can reach that too. He's playing through, a bad peck injury and is probably going to be covering one of those tight ends uh, for a good stretch of this game. And coverage is not his thing to begin with. I mean, he's the thumper in the run game, but he didn't come to Pittsburgh with that reputation. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick coming back will be a big help in one of those places, but I suspect, I don't know that they're going to want somebody to give some help on Stefan Diggs. So you can only do so much. Uh, you know, Gabe Davis not playing would be a big help to that plan because at least then you feel like maybe you don't need to help both corners. But, you know, it, DeMonte KZ and Minka Fitzpatrick uh, – oh, KZ uh, served a three-game suspension in there too. That's the other other guy they haven't had. Those are the two safeties. One of those two guys is probably going to cover Kincaid when he's down the field. Up front, it'll be Roberts. It'll be Michael Walker or Miles Jack, who was retired until October – and is uh, playing significant playing time in this defense right now. That's just the way it's gone for them in linebacker and safety. So it's a mess. I expect Kincaid to be able to have a big game uh, because I just really don't think they have the horses to run with those guys down the middle of the field. I would love that. I would. Yeah, I mean, since I'm I'm basically anticipating with the weather, not to beat the dead weather horse, but like, basically anticipating with the weather if if the key to victory ends up being that uh that passing uh centric that would be like a lot of fun and would kind of like take the edge off of i think a lot of bills fans who are just anticipating the worst when it comes to the weather and anticipating it being a huge hindrance 
It's interesting to me that the Bills fans are also freaking out about the weather because the Steelers fans are freaking out about the weather too. So I don't, I get it's, it's, uh, I, I don't know that it, that it really helps either team. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't, it was very funny to talk to Minka Fitzpatrick today about the weather and he was like, do you know the Bills? They're going to throw it. I don't care if it's like 10 feet of snow, they're going to throw it. It's the Buffalo Bills. Like Josh Allen can throw the ball harder than anybody in the league. I'm getting wind or snow that is going to slow that guy down. Like we're going out there expecting them to still be the Buffalo Bills no matter what. You just hope they learn their lesson. And Tony, you might agree or disagree, but uh, from the previous uh, was it last year's Bills Patriots win bowl where the, it mm-hmm. was like all running and mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, the Bills started throwing a little. It's like, oh, we could have done this all game and it probably would have worked a little better. I hope the Bills just learned their <laughs> lesson if the weather does play a factor uh, on Sunday like uh, uh, we expect it to. Uh, Alan, uh, you know, we have a couple more minutes here with you. So um, your your media uh, compadre, Andrew Filippone, was on Sports Talk Radio in Buffalo, who and he was very um, pessimistic about these Steelers' chances, uh, saying the Bills would lose by or the bills would win by 30 and the Steelers have no chance without TJ Watt and he had the data to back it up but he was very pessimistic uh I don't want to play the pessimistic optimistic card here but uh before you uh go uh give us one key to victory uh for the Steelers what they can do and then one key to victory that you think the bills can do that will make all the difference come Sunday I think a key to victory for the Steelers involves find, uh, turning Josh, uh, just getting Josh Allen to turn the ball over. I think that's number one. Whether that comes from look, their edge rushers behind TJ Watt are not bad. You know, they don't have like TJ is one of the best players that's in the good. league, and and they don't. You know, they, they won't have him. But Alex Highsmith is very good. Marcus Golden yep. is a been there, done that vet. And Nick Kirby was a fourth round pick out of Wisconsin. Is like eighty five percent TJ Watt. He's just like. TJ, but a little bit shorter. It's like if TJ had like an eight-year younger brother who follows him around everywhere, that's Nick Herbig. He's only played like 20 snaps ever in a game, but he just has a knack for making big plays every time he does. Steelers fans are actually like irrationally excited about this guy getting to play, even though TJ is not. I expect him to make an impact uh, just because he always seems to every time he's on the field. They'll still be able to rush the passer, even without TJ Watt. They just won't have the guy who's maybe the best at it in the league right now. But, uh, you know, they've got to find a way, whether it's that, whether it's with the coverage. You know, Joey Porter Jr. is a really, really good rookie. The Steelers have leaned on him absurdly heavily. I mean, they played the Seahawks, and that's a really good, like, one, two, three receiver matchup. And they basically said, here's DK Metcalf. You're on your own. Have fun with him. Like, the rest of us will be over here. Uh, And and I think that's quite a a credit to his play as the rookie. He's going to draw digs most of the day. He, he it's a battle he can win like I, I he's not he's not better than Stefan Diggs but he's he, he can get his and if he gets an interception it's you know it's a huge play and so I think they've got to find a way to turn the ball turn the ball over put their offense on some short fields and not make them sustain long drives to score and on offense I've just got to keep up this running game stuff you know I'm not sure what the secret is they've been going heavy and like that Seattle game, man, the whole second half, they had three tight ends in the game. They were doing everything but yell across the line. We're running it. Here we come. Try and stop us. And they were running it anyway. And and I think right. uh, if they can get to that point on offense against this Bills defense, which is not that great against the run, 
uh, and, and likes to play light anyway, is will be uncomfortable trying to match heavy personnel. I think if they can do that, they, they certainly can give themselves an advantage. For Buffalo, I think it's pretty easy. It's just let your talent win. Like, just don't just don't let the Steelers out of the bag. I feel like uh, – think about that 2021 game uh, where the Steelers won in the opener, right? It was the, it was the blocked punt that goes for a touchdown that changes the beginning of that game, and then all of a sudden the Steelers are in it, and then they find a way to win it. And then you compare that to the game last year where <laughs> – it was just all like it was over in five minutes. You know, I, I think I think this can be a game that can be over in five minutes if the Bills play to their talent. Uh, they just they just can't let the Steelers in the game. Alan, my question about Herbig, who you mentioned, is this: What is up with the Steelers' obsession with uniting siblings in this league? Every time there's <laughs> like a brotherhood in this league, it goes through the Steelers. So Mike Tomlin actually talked about this and he's just not oh. just it's not just siblings but anyone who like it was a son of an NFL player or the nephew of an NFL player or their cousin played in the NFL or whatever he said one of the things that you know for us is like those players that have watched someone go through the transition to the NFL before they they feel have a far higher rate of of basically like not washing out like you're not going to get a character zero on someone whose brother is in the league like because you and and i think his his direct quote was like it's not mystical to them it's real like if you have a college player who has never watched anyone go through this process before they don't know what they're getting into But, but but when you have a player who has that that family relationship that personal experience they're more ready to go through it and so it's a real strategy for them. They absolutely target NFL bloodlines, um, you know, on purpose. There are juniors of players littered through the Steelers, uh, not not just Joey Porter's son, but but all over cousins and brothers. And yeah, I mean, they, that's a real strategy for them. Hmm. I was at like, Wallace, of course, cousin of NASCAR right? driver Rusty Wallace. Yeah, I'm not sure how that one goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that that's that's good. I, I always liked that the Steelers had you know Derek Watt and TJ Watt or the Edmonds, and you know mm-hmm. it, it's 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 an interesting that that Tomlin promotes that almost. It's not just a coincidental thing. So um, before we say our goodbye, Alan, and let's get thank you for being on the show. Uh, I think we owe it to all the listeners, all the viewers, and I'm going to put it up on the screen here. So. Most viewers have a better understanding. Uh, Yinzer versus Jagoff. Explain those two terms and what they mean and why they're in the lexicon of native Pittsburghans. <laughs> oh, okay. So a yin- Yinzer is a, a sort of, it's a loaded term, right? Like it could be used as an insult, but it, it could also be a, a point of pride. A Yinzer is just a stereotypical Pittsburgher, right? Like it would be, it's generally referred to like people of an older generation. So like maybe in like, in my, like someone younger, like I guarantee Gen Gen Z would use Yinzer as an insult, right? Because like, you wouldn't want to be like, you know, somebody's uncle who like drinks bud heavy and like, you know, smokes Winston's at the corner bar, right? Like that's the, the Yinzer is the, is the, is the, is the big city version of a townie 
right? Like there's just like the people gotcha. that are here that are that are of the place that are always around. They're the people that call into talk radio stations and speak with an exaggerated accent and 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 <laughs> we love them and also are aware of their shortcomings, but will still support them and and care for us and and so yeah, so it, it's it's this sort of like is it it's like half derision, half of source of pride kind of term. Jagoff is all negative. A Jagoff is 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 just a is 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 a jerk. It's 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 someone you don't want to be. It's also like an othering term. Like you can't be a Yinzer Jagoff. Like you're not usually, you know. Jagoff is generally someone from out of town. You know, like an uppity New York Jagoff. You know, uh, came into my company as a consultant and said we're going to lay off thirteen people this month. You know, like that's that would be, I think. Um, and you know, one of the, the the things I've always appreciated about Pittsburgh and Buffalo is that I think that they are cities with very similar hearts. I, I think they have a lot in common about the people. Oh, yeah. I've told this joke before, but I'll tell it again because I think your audience will appreciate it. The Steelers have a pump up song they play in the fourth quarter of games when their defense is on the field uh, they have like a elaborate scoreboard video set to it and it is uh, set to the opening of renegade by sticks which is sort of funny that this trend didn't start when renegade or sticks was popular this trend started in like 2008 okay so like that's where pittsburgh is right <laughs> And so, of course, you know, uh, you know, when the Bills win, they sing along to shout. And I always say, like, Buffalo was the only city that was like, Sticks, that was a good idea. We should have done that. <laughs> Every other city in the country is like, why do you care about this 40-year-old rock band? But no, Buffalo's like, that's cool. That's cool. We would have, yeah, like, we do our thing with shout, but, like, that was a good idea. Only in Buffalo would that be the response to uh, <laughs> right. very, very similar cities. Uh, but I feel like the thing that sets Pittsburgh apart is our absurd language. We have this dialect, and uh, we we invent our own words. If you've heard the Pat McAfee show, you kind of will understand what I'm talking about there. Um, and yeah. so uh, th that is Yinzer and Jagoff are both sort of part of that Pittsburgh dialect uh, where I don't know where these words came from. They're not English, but they're kind of ours. And we have plenty of others, but uh, but those are two probably the most famous ones. So, Alan, so I the, hope this uh, is... I think it's the radio host, Tony. Is it the radio host that disbanded or, like, did away with all wings in preparation for this game of, in Pittsburgh? Yeah, like, oh, I didn't Pittsburgh, hear about People can't eat tried. wings. We try. It was. It he was would a be a jag off, right? He'd be a jag off. Here's here. Look, there was one that said don't eat wings. Then there was another. There was a restaurant looking for publicity that said we're not going to serve buffalo sauce this week. And I tried to tell them that the re if you really want to troll buffalo, Jagoffs. would be just stop serving blue cheese and serve ranch with everything. That yeah. would be a far more effective yeah. protest if you really wanted to make the people of Buffalo feel some type of way. It's like us putting fries on our salad because who else does that except Pittsburgh? No one. No, that is our thing. It's ludicrous. Salad. It's insane. <laughs> Tony, what were you going to say before way, we uh, is, say our goodbyes? Yinzer, Yinzer yeah. is, by the way, so Yins is like our plural you in the Pittsburgh dialect. So as, as a Southerner oh, okay. would say y'all, a Pittsburgher would say Yins. And that's why Yins. it became this sort of 
term to refer to someone that might speak with that uh, exaggerated accent. So, Alan, self-reflection time. Where would you put yourself on the yinzer scale? How yins or are you, if I'm saying it appropriately? I feel like that's a hard thing to (laughs) self-assess. I do not think I am that much of a yinzer. But I guarantee that everyone that I know is a Yinzer would also say that. Um, and so okay. I, I don't know where the line is. I will say this. Um, my wife is from New Jersey. We go to her house for, you know, her family's house for holidays and things. And I know when I that I'm different. Like, there's no question that I don't belong there. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, and so uh, I, I definitely have some Yinzer. Uh, I, I I do put French fries on salads. Uh, I, I don't drink Bud Heavy, but or Iron City for that matter, which is I guess the more stereotypical drink. But uh, I think there's there's certainly a little bit of Yinzer in all of us, and that is why it is that kind of uh, back and forth insult and, and source of pride amongst uh, our people. Well, you're definitely our favorite Yinzer to have on this show. So thank you once again for coming on. Great insight into the Steelers. Uh, Everyone, if you haven't followed Alan, Alan, please tell everyone who is listening and viewing in uh, where they can find you on Twitter and all your work you do. Yeah, at at A Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter and Instagram and all the the cool social medias. And then uh, my work covering the Steelers is at SteelersNow.com. At PGH, Steelers Now is a sites account. Uh, my podcast is the Steelers Afternoon Drive. You can find it on YouTube or anywhere you find podcasts. And we're on Monday through Friday about 5 p.m. Perfect, perfect. Make sure you go follow Alan. Check out, especially in the lead up to this game, or if you're just a fan of the NFL, uh, check out everything Alan does. Always great insight. Always a welcome guest. Alan, thank you so much for joining our show, taking the time tonight uh, out of your busy schedule, which I'm sure. Are you going to be in town for the game? Last question. As long as, okay. as long as there's not eight feet of snow, I'll be there. You know, we, we yeah. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll as long as they're not moving the game to Cleveland, I'll be in Buffalo. I know. Okay. Who wants to go to <laughs> Cleveland? No one. No one. Cleveland doesn't even want to go to Cleveland. One of my favorite jokes ever from the movie The Rocker. Will Arnett says, "Go back to Cleveland, Cleveland." Like nobody wants to be in Cleveland. So <laughs> hopefully, it stays in Buffalo. Uh, Alan, thank you so much for uh, joining the show. We'd love to have you back out in the future. Mm-hmm. You're always welcome here. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you Sunday. Awesome. We'll have a good night. At the stadium. Uh-huh. See you Sunday. <laughs> Look for Alan. Bye. Bye, Alan. Bye, Alan. Thanks a lot. Listeners, viewers, awesome guest, Alan Saunders from Steelers Now. Always a pleasure. Uh, we had him on last year when the DeMar Hamlin incident came on or came about and just great insight, uh, everything going on in the Pittsburgh region and the Steelers on the inside in the locker room. Make sure you go follow Alan. Awesome. Awesome. Follow, uh, Tony, any other, uh, things? Great guest. Always a great guest. Uh, any, I I feel like we need to do a couple minutes, uh, uh, from a bill's perspective. We Mm -hmm. talked a lot about from a Steelers perspective, obviously with Alan, uh, anything else though, before we, uh, send it to, uh, legendary coach Marv Levy, just a legendary voice. That yin's just a, just a wealth of information, uh, had, had it all locked in, like even with the siblings thing, which I, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, this is like a half joke question. It was like, Oh no, there's like super insightful right. things behind it. Um, yeah. loved, you loved totally mentioned that as a jokey question. He's like, no, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
totally uh, <laughs> full of, um, oh, what was I going to say? Like totally full of just like insight on it all, really knows this stuff. Uh, great to see him. I hope I run into him at the stadium on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you look out for Allen at the stadium Sunday. Uh, if he can make it, of course, with this giant snowstorm coming in. Uh, Tony, let's uh, send it to Marv. We'll talk a little Bills Dolphins and our thoughts as Bills fans going into this playoff game. Uh, here we go. Let's send it to Marv. We'll be back after the break. Go, go. Bills fight, Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. Viewers, listeners, if you haven't yet, like, comment, subscribe, hit that like, take one second, a little click of that mouse or the mouse pad or whatever you do to hit that like. Please do. Really appreciate the likes. We have super chats. We have everything. So make sure you interact. We love hearing from you guys. Um, Tony, huge game on Sunday. Uh, I will say before we get into our review, uh, if the Titans did not win earlier, we would all be shitting our pants come eight o'clock on Sunday night. <laughs> like yeah. that was way too close for comfort with or without a playoff spot locked in. But because we had the playoff spot locked in, thanks to the Titans being the Jaguars, I was a little more at ease, but if that didn't happen, Oh boy, would it have been a scene throughout that? At least that first half, even the probably the whole game of the Dolphins game. Uh, what, what were your vibes throughout Sunday? You bring that up, and it makes me realize, like, if the Titans didn't win, it would. This definitely, I can say with certainty, would have been not the first time that uh, I wept legitimate tears just from being overwhelmed uh, of a week during a week eighteen or during the last week of the season Dolphins game. Like it would have been, right. it would have been beside myself overwhelming. Uh, and, and it would have been a tough ride and I, I, and I would not have slept. So in the sense, thank you to the Titans, not just for getting us into the playoffs and the opportunity at the two seed, but thanks for, uh, well, I guess we had that anyway, but thanks for uh, letting me, putting me in a position where I could sleep that night at least for a little bit, but man, I was up at E after cause the vibes were tense. Like you said, the vibes were, uh, oh, yeah. the vibes were anger a lot. And then <laughs> what happened is it was getting late. And so I like, I, I think I was like in that weird pseudo, like kind of a, like delirium kind of asleep, but like, I do know it's like, I have consciousness, but I'm not like, part of my brain is off. Right. And then I know that I was like, I know that like, I didn't comprehend the punt return when it happened. And then, and my wife was laying next to me on the couch and she like hits me in the chest. And she's like, Oh, and starts like freaking out about it. And I was like, Oh, and then because I'm so superstitious, <laughs> I closed my eyes for every play of action for the rest of the game. And that's when <laughs> we were successful. So like I'm laying there and then like, okay, Tua takes the snap. I close my eyes. I catch, I get the vibe that like what was going to happen, happened. And then I opened it to see what happened. And guess what? We owned the second half. You're welcome, everybody. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. It's like your own little virtual reality when you close your eyes. 
Yeah, it kind of is, I guess. Just audio escape form. into this world of what could be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's know, funny. And, that's, and then funny. that, um, and then that became reality because yeah, it was like super wild and fun from that point on. Like a lot of celebrate, a lot of thing, a lot of things to minorly celebrate in the second half. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let's get into the so bad it's good review. Really short one because I want to talk uh, a little bit uh, while we have the time tonight uh, about this playoff game and a little bit about the Dolphins game and kind of interconnect the two. So short, so bad it's good review, but we got to do it because we do it every week. Tony, here we go. Hit the music. Week 18. The Bills entered the final week of the season against Miami, looking to put the AFC title in a vice. Tua Tagurit Vialoa was wishing his offensive line wasn't playing hide-and-seek as he was looking but couldn't find any protection behind a busted condom from the Bills' D line. You've been hit by, you've been struck by a smooth Sheffield. Sheffield. <laughs> really blowing this tonight. Uh... Tyreek Hill yelled fire in the house as the Dolphins chased Claypool. Their home playoff hopes away. Ring around the rosy. Mike McDaniel's team blowsy. He wolf, he wolf. The Dolphins go down. Bills win 24-14. I really stumbled on that one, Tony. Matt, criminal. Three syllables. Trencher field. Criminal. Three syllables. What are you doing? <laughs> what? You're in I, I'm off my game. I'm off. Your inability to match that cadence was truly criminal. I know. I know. It was. I was really off on that one. That's why it's so bad. It's good because it is so bad. A trench or, uh, or shit, I messed it up. <laughs> a smooth, smooth shirt. <laughs> no, you got <laughs> trench. Uh, that, that was an amazing. Like, was that the moment that trench Sherfield touchdown catch? I don't even. I don't know if it qualifies as it does on the score sheet and the box score, but it was just a pure (laughs) luck play. But was that the moment where you're it it, it was the moment for me? Was it the moment for you where it kind of turned and been like, okay, maybe destiny is on our side? (laughs) Like that pass could have went anywhere. It could have popped up anywhere. It could have been caught by anyone. But it was caught by the Bills player in the back of the perfectly trajectory, trajectory, perfect down in a trench or field's arms i'm like all right this is a destiny thing now maybe maybe we we can win this game despite shooting ourselves in the foot multiple times with josh allen interceptions and so on and so forth in the red zone the only reason that i'm hesitating to say to agree with what you're saying is because it's too similar to what chris collinsworth said on it on the on the broadcast and i don't want to validate what chris collinsworth says so I will choose to uh, like sidestep what you're saying or to, or to distance myself from what you're saying. But I will say I audibly screamed in my living room about how Trent Sherfield completely redeemed the entire season of himself <laughs> in that yeah. moment. And I think I texted you the same thing. Like Trent Sherfield just, just at, all is forgiven with Trent Sherfield over that move that he pulled right. off. That was insane. And then at the final play, I texted you back. I was forgiven on my behalf with Taylor Rapp. <laughs> right. Doing, closing the game out and picking off that, that, that pass from Tua. Um, no, you're right. Like Trent Sherfield had a 
really good game. I don't know if he was because he was playing his old team from last year, if it was just he was finally given the opportunity and things kind of just fell into place. But not only that touchdown catch, he made a huge first down catch in the middle of the field on a, on a very difficult in traffic um, yeah. pass from Josh Allen. And he came out with it. Uh, I felt validated. You felt validated because it's like, you know, all the n- things we naysayed about Fred Sherfield all year. Um, and I felt the same way. It was like it, when I always say, if Trent Sherfield has just as much opportunity as Gabe Davis, would we see the same production from Trent Sherfield? And this game was kind of like, oh, maybe that would be the case, even though I never thought that. Yeah, like between between weeks like six and eighteen. <laughs> right, because he, yeah, because like, how could we possibly trust him in a role like that? Right, and also he's too similar, not in talent but in skill set, like to uh to it well gabe davis has a different skill set is what i'm saying so like i would want the so i would want and like you know a gabe davis on the other side if gabe davis could get literally any production out of his time on the field that would just be nice instead of these zeros that is coming in i mean i know he got injured but this is not the only zero game but i tell you who didn't have a zero game tell you who went over 100 yards man the century mark and the century man himself. Oh, <laughs> the he Hashtag he receptions, 105 yards. And so many yak yards. Tons of yak. He wolf is the yak, yak king. Uh, he is the wolves and yaks. Yak he wolf king. Yeah, wolves and yaks. Like Yinzers and Jagos. <laughs> yeah. Wolves and yaks. Um, he wolf was incredible. Every time there needed to be a play, he wolf Shakir made that play, um, over a hundred yards, as you mentioned. And uh, to, to Gabe Davis's credit, he did spring that block on the bubble screen for 50 yards early in the yeah. game that he wolf took. Um, the first bubble screen, I think a Ken Dorsey or Joe Brady offense has run successfully and lo and behold, who mm-hmm. is it? It's the he wolf running it. So no shock there. If you run it to Diggs, zero yards, maybe negative one if you're lucky. Um, if you run it to Hewell, 50 yards, 50 plus yards. That's just how it goes. Hewell might be the most important and, player going into this. And I like, and I like that you said that, and I like the proof because to me, like a game like this, where it's so, where there's like so much on the line and it's tense and it needs, you know, someone with a crunch factor. And then he will steps up like that, like that may that gives me a new element, at least in my love affair with he wolf about about that like he, <laughs> our love affair he had yeah like he has like that x factor sort of you know it's all on the line like he has the confidence and steps up it's not too big for him right right and I think that was the story of this Miami game and maybe it might be the story going into the playoffs with all these injuries is unsung heroes just stepping up mm-hmm. whether it's Khalil Shakir whether it's Trent Sherfield whether it's Ryan Vandemark coming in for a very important series for Deion Dawkins yeah. who had whether it's I don't know if he was Balen he was attacked by like or Balen Specter coming in for Terrell Dodson um or Dane Jackson coming in for Razul Douglas like just guys stepping up and that's kind of Sean McDermott's MO in terms of defensive philosophy right is 
you know, when your number is called, you are expected to play up to the person you're replacing, the starter, obviously. But all these guys stepped up in a big way and made some big plays. And with the injuries that are carrying over from Sunday and possibly into this wild card playoff game, these guys are going to probably need to be stepping up again here. And, uh, yes, yeah. it's, it's a nice problem to have, I guess. Like, yes, the stakes are a lot higher. Yes. The gravity is a lot higher than with the playoffs, obviously losing you're out, you're done for the season. Um, winning you continue all or nothing, do or die. So, these players, a lot of them, the Balen Specters of the world, Trent Sherfield, even even though he was in Miami last year and they made the wild card, but that was kind of their peak. I don't know if they expected to go any farther, um, but these guys are going to need to step up, don't you think? Matt, does this does what I did with Balen Specter make sense when I went Balen Specter like Specter like a yeah, he's the Specter you know, like he's paranormal. the ghost. Yeah, he's like Spectre, like some paranormal, like a little, like, I don't know. It's a visual nickname. What's your real question? Yeah. He's the Spectre. (laughs) Um, No, these guys who have stepped up Sunday in big ways, Dane Jackson making tons of plays, and Razul Douglas talked about it after the game, about how, like, he could have went in, I guess, how how healthy he was. Yeah, I don't like know. if we're phrasing this as, if we're phrasing this as people that we have maybe lower expectations, people exceeding expectations or people that we have lower expectations for, who I have a newfound low expectation of is Jordan Poyer, who exceeded that expectation. He was decent. Very so well, that's yeah. one. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, five tackles. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just like running it down, looking at the list that it was people are the D the defense is stepping up holistically and it's not, it's not, uh, you know, too many. It's, I can't think of anyone who I, who I feel like is like carrying a heavy burden, uh, which is good. I think that's what yeah. you want. Cause that helps when you got an injury or report like ours, that's a little longer. Do you feel like this is the, um, this might not be the most talented team the Bills have rostered going into the playoffs due to all the injuries to a lot of core pieces, Matt Milano, Tredavious Wade, and we, Bills fans know the list. But do you feel like this is the most battle-tested or battle-ready team the Bills have mm. had going into the playoffs in this Josh Allen era, there's, Sean McDermott there's, era? There is something with this team that does feel – I don't know, like, like bad news bearsy kind of underdog. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess, but you know, there's something with this team that feels mature, I guess. Um, okay. And in the sense that the, in the sense that, you know, they under have a higher understanding of next man up and that they have a higher yeah. understanding of their responsibilities and that there's a, um, and that there's a like they know their own expectations, the expectations that the coaches mm-hmm. have for them, the expectations, and they accept those expectations and take them seriously enough and get it done, uh, or are willing to get it done and are willing to put in the work. So 
it does it does kind of feel that way as josh said in his post game interview he said you know something like that um in terms of the group and being very complimentary towards the group compared to others that he's been in and has been around um obviously it stems from you know like a great way to uh bring along the you know group dynamic like that is through um the shared adversity and you need to look no further than of course the day at camp that it was super hot and the power went out and everyone had used the bathrooms in the dorms and that <laughs> that's, was right. that's when the team really amount. came together in in yeah, more ways was, than one and that was and that was the highest amount of adversity that the team has ever faced so there's been nothing else <laughs> that that and carousel cookies <laughs> yeah yeah having a snack on those carousel cookies that was a that was brutal <laughs> the team is uh, team is battle tested from bathrooms and cookies this year um but no i think there is something like this bad news bears underdog kind of nobody um not maybe not they've, believes they've been in us as, as a whole they've been counted out yeah but like these players individually have kind of been counted out you know dane jackson for example feels like the levi wallace of, of present day where the Bills just keep trying to replace him with a free agent or a rookie or whoever. And he just keeps winning battles. And whenever his name is called upon, he just keeps stepping up. And that's what he did Sunday. He stepped up and made a couple huge plays deflecting passes. Um, you know, Balen Specter, a guy who was on the bubble coming out of training camp and barely made the team. I think he was on IR and I thought he would be a, a healthy cut when he returned off of IR uh, coming out of training camp. Uh, Finds himself on the field making plays the final week of the season to try to clinch an AFC title. Uh, so it's just, it's it's maybe not a nobody believes in the team, but kind of these players, I have a feeling, have a nobody believes in us because we've been counted out as individual players time and time again. Uh, we're going to go out there and prove something. Right. So uh, it just, I think it just speaks to the culture of Sean McDermott as instilled here. Um, this next man up mentality, not only that, it's the next man up playing up to the standard, as I mentioned, of the person he's going in for of the starter. And, uh, they, they were, they were crucial on Sunday to clinch this game. Um, I think this is a good point from Scott here, uh, gang tackle this week, especially if the weather is bad. Uh, the bills, not the greatest tackling team we've seen throughout the year. And if this weather is a factor, I'm thinking like the Steelers are running the ball like 35, 40 times. As mm-hmm. Alan mentioned earlier on the show, like whatever they can do to not put the game in Mason Rudolph's hands, I feel like they're going to do, especially if the weather's bad. So uh, tackling is going to be key. Bale Inspector, very good tackler, shockingly. Trell Bernard, pretty good tackler. I know. Pretty good Well, I, I. Category. I like, I mean, we've, I think we've grown to have a certain expectation of Bernard. Bernard? Bernard? Really? Bernard? And Bernard. Spectre. Bale Spectre. Disappearing. I don't know if that's anything. Like, I don't even know if this apply, implies like something supernatural, just <laughs> my fingers in the camera, but I'm doing it. I'm committed to it. Yeah. Yeah, he's the Spectre. Um, is this the 
is this the most favorable road to the playoffs? As Scott mentioned, thank you everyone for the comments, by the way, um, that the bills have had, it feels like, again, I talked about kind of team of destiny and I don't want to get into those like metaphysical concepts and cause I don't really believe in them. But, um, when you look at the playoffs as a whole, especially in the AFC, like the Ravens are the one seed, a team that we have beaten before. And we kind of constantly beat, especially when we've seen them in the playoffs. The Chiefs are don't look like the Chiefs of old. Um, it, the Texans, the Browns running Joe Flacco back at mm-hmm. the age of, I don't know, 52, whatever he is that nowadays. Um, That's accurate. It does feel like it does feel like this is their this is their best chance, right? Like not to and I don't want to I don't want to I'm afraid to have this conversation. I don't want to do this and get ahead of myself. But looking at it, it, it does feel like if the Bills don't shoot themselves in the foot, like this is their best shot. Uh, unintended. Yeah, I mean, we've been thinking that you know with the. How can you not think that when you see the injuries around the league? Um, but I'm still, right. you know, it's it's like Mitch Moore said, like, they're all professionals. Um, the Browns look good. Like, I don't want to I don't want to play the Browns because the Browns their defense look good. is very good. Yeah. They've their defense is very good. I like their offense like schematically. I like a lot of the players on their offense. I dislike a lot of the yep. players on their offense. And the but like I don't off the field, yeah. Right, I don't want and on and like that's that's a smoke I don't want is is to deal is to deal right. with that whole scene. But I do, you know, to look at some of the teams in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that that's necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily the injuries so much, but what Scott brings up is the seeding is what really helps i think more than anything and and that's kind yeah. of in agreement with what with what scott is saying um at home the steelers you know like a fringe team games, in the playoffs yeah. but i'm not i'm not as i'm not as optimistic or pessimistic as alan was like i think this is a real i think this is has a real challenge written all over it um and I do to too. conquer this to conquer this challenge closer. yes to conquer this challenge, then to be honest, like next would give me a little bit more confidence going into next week with however that plays out. Um, yeah, it's going to be something. I don't know if it's because it's going to be, I think it's going to be, I agree. I think it's going to be closer than Vegas thinks. A lot of people think um, mm-hmm. Bills. I think are nine, nine and a half, ten 10 point favorites at this point, which is feels ludicrous, especially with a Mike Tom on offense. Or should I say Wiz Khalifa? I'm getting my rappers mixed up. Um, but with a Mike Tomlin run team, and I, I just I go back to that home opener a couple of years ago when the Steelers mm-hmm. came in and just dominated yeah. the trenches and yeah. really like threw the day us. I saw Benny the Butcher and... get beat up. <laughs> oh, really? A day to remember. That's how I remember it. A day to remember because everyone was just so pissed in the parking lot coming out there. And then I just see Benny the Butcher get like his head like on a car hood. (sighs) Oh, no. No, no. But say la vie. I never never heard this story. First of all, I would not go at a guy nicknamed the Butcher. 
That feels like the wrong move right away. I don't know that he knew who he was. Yeah, I don't know that I knew that they knew who he <laughs> was. But yes, but yes, the I did local, witness a fight on the, the way back and Benny the Butcher was in it. <laughs> I know. It blew my mind. I'm like, this is where he's parking. He's parking in this in this lot, in this gravelly private lot. This man is as he gets here. his head like, smashed into his car. That's what you thought of. This is where he parked. Yeah, it kind of was. That that sort of was my first thought. Um, my I really my first thought was like he's riding in pain. Like, like, am I supposed to do anything? I mean, I don't think it was. Like, he's not thriving and he's not writhing in pain. Like, it's not that severe. It's not like today, <laughs> Matt. If I could go tan, if I can make a tangent so we can lose some viewers, you you wouldn't believe what I saw today. Sure, I'm walking. Always. I'm walking. I'm walking the dog. We're going down uh, Winton, which for the Rochesterians who are listening or viewing will know is like a you know, relatively busy road, relatively mainish road. And a car slant, a car and a truck, like I hear like a screeching halt. And it seemed like a little fender bender had occurred between a, this truck and this uh, silver car. The guy from the silver car gets out of the car and with, an, with what seemed to me to be an aluminum bat, and just goes after the driver of the of the uh, of the truck, what? and then gets in his car wow. and, and gets in, and then gets back in his car and and squeals away. Wow! Yeah, it was a sight. It was traumatizing. And, and, and the, the whole time you thought that's where that guy parked. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of Winton Road. <laughs> no, the whole time I thought I got to call nine one one. I got. So, yeah, wow! So I took a much different. I oh, took yeah. a much different action. Fo- this action follows you. Yeah, I guess you're. Yeah, action follows me. You're right. I mean, you know, Jeez. the universe gives its. Uh, the The universe gives its. The gives... Uh, its toughest challenges to its uh, strongest soldiers. I guess you know. I guess so, uh, viewers. If you are going to the game Sunday and you see Tony, stay away. I guess stay far yeah, away. You're gonna get. I'm all 10 trouble. foot distance. You don't want to be all trouble. This guy. Yeah. That mustache is all trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. He didn't have a parking pass. Benny the butcher didn't have a parking pass. That's what Come I'm on. saying. That's Bills. what I'm saying. <laughs> he doesn't get VIP That's treatment. What I'm saying. Good Lord. I know. He sometimes in the he does. And then I guess he just like also shoot not, a music video. Something. It's like, I guess not. Um, uh, yeah, we haven't really heard that song very also much with this the... year, huh? No, no. Well, like yeah, the video really has, I think, no fast more. Rise, fast I think all thing. the bills that are in the video are now all gone. Like Cody Ford oh, was in the okay. video, gone. Okay. Jerry uh-huh. Hughes, I think, was in the video, gone. Like, so I, I don't know if that's a reason you don't hear it. Um, also, with the easy schedule, I feel like the confidence is coming from the performance on the field from some of our main guys. Stefan uh-huh. Diggs, huge game. Yep. And Josh Allen, huge game. Huge game. Yeah. Uh, those are your two most huge important players on yeah. the offense. Huge second half. I, I'd say a huge game. Like, Even <laughs> though there were mistakes in the red zone and they couldn't really finish. Like, yeah. Josh, right. Josh had a really like, good game. You take away two or three. From you take away two or three plays. You take away two or three plays, yeah. and you're right. God mode. Like we saw, we saw some great stuff. You're right. Take away two or three plays of the whole yeah. game. We saw some great stuff, especially that third down run. 
Cater Kohu wanted nothing to do with Josh on that third down run at the end of the game to kind of yeah. clinch it, if you will. But um, just I thought Josh played really good. And, and those are two guys you want playing at their peak going into the playoffs. Um, so the vibes feel right with their best players right now. Uh, I thought James Cook had a strong game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's going to be an important part Sunday, especially if the weather is a factor. The run game is going to come into effect. And please, God, James Cook, mm-hmm. if you're listening in some way, shape, or form, if anyone out there knows James Cook and can get him this message, two hands on the football. Just two hands on the football, please. <laughs> Especially when you're about to get That's hit. That's true. He does have a tendency. Um, but, That's true. Yeah. Like when he feels contact, I like get that second hand around it. Don't just keep it here and have it punched out. But. The two players, Diggs and Allen, the Buffalo brothers from another mother, had two of their best games this season, or one of their best games, each had their best, this season. As a tandem. Um, yeah. which, which, as a tandem, which is great to see. Stefan Diggs, finally, despite them um, and Josh Allen missing on a long ball deep again, which... You got to think one of these weeks is they're going to hit one of those 40 plus yarders. He kind of did uh, finally track a ball in the air. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. A Bills receiver making an incredible catch in the first half. Uh, Stefan Diggs did. Uh, finally, a receiver tracks a ball. We've been asking for it for 18 weeks. And Stefan Diggs did it and it resulted in a really good play. Um, but. How important is it that those two guys are kind of hitting their stride going into the playoffs here for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously it's tremendously important, but I think that also we're, you know, this is the playoffs. So I also take it with a grain of salt that we're playing the good teams, you know, and the good teams are going to have appropriate matchups for someone like Stefan Diggs. Um, it's going to be iron sharpening iron in the playoffs. So I'm so it's a it's a damn good thing that they're on the same page, or at least seemingly on the same page, uh, or at least Brady is finding ways yeah. to make them uh, to make them to make them in in sync with each other. Would you say? Yeah, I do. I agree. They do seem dialed in, like with each other. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's good. We're going to need that, but we're also going to need the the other cursory players to to do that. And I hope that next week what we're talking about is similar to this week. I hope we're talking about like who stepped up that we would not have necessarily expected to step up, but hey, how about that? I hope that. I hope I hope we're talking about that as well because that means the Bills won. Yeah. Uh and hopefully we're only talking about that um but that'd be great. Um, I don't. I don't know. Like I'm. I'm kind of. My final thought here, as we wrap up, uh, the weather obviously has been a big talk this week leading up to this game. What the conditions could be, and there's even talk and rumors, whether true or not, that they may move the game to Cleveland. I'm all for it. I'm all for any, and maybe this is a anti-Bills Mafia opinion, but I'm all for eliminating any wild variables that could Mm -hmm. help the other team. So if the game needs to get moved to Cleveland because the weather's nice there, 
in its ideal conditions for Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and James Cook and whoever to just do their thing and be and be in a position where talent is the ultimate decider or ultimate factor in terms of winning or losing. I'm all for it. I don't want snow. I don't want wind to be the reason that the bills, these bills are knocked out of the playoffs. So maybe it's bad bills fan of me to not have a home game in Buffalo, but I'll take a win because there's no outlandish variables over anything else at this point in time. That's my final thought. Look, I'm looking at the forecast side by side here, Cleveland, Buffalo. Give it to us, Pat Hammer. What do you got? For Sunday, uh, for Sunday the 14th, snow, snow and wind for Buffalo. Okay, we know this. Winds out of the southwest, southwest at 25 miles an hour. High of 26. Cleveland, partly cloudy and wind, so no snow. Same wind, 25 miles an hour, actually 26 miles an hour. High of 19. Cleveland, does, this seems like a big move for like not that much of a difference. <laughs> right. Just like the the addition of the addition of snow, I guess, is is what they think is happening. But I don't think that this is gonna be a blizzard. Like it's just gonna snow but be super windy and snowy. And a little and snow will be yeah. being carried on that wind. In Cleveland, it will be even colder and windy, but snow will not be being carried on the wind. I think it's more likely that if weather is a factor, that they move the start time of the game rather than move the location of the game. Like you, you, there has to be a, a three-hour yeah. pocket somewhere on on Sunday where it's kind of clear conditions <laughs> and more ideal with no blinding snow. Um, so, but whatever the case is, wherever the game is played, just. Bills, please win. Because, <laughs> like we said, right. if there's a path to the Super Bowl this year, the path feels like it's in the Bills' favor. So, um, Tony, any thoughts before yeah. we wrap up? I no, I just hope my heart can take it. <laughs> Whatever, however Tony. it shakes out, because I don't, I don't think it's going to be fun and easy. So. I think it's going to be agitating. Oh, it'll be edge of your seat, agitating, nervous. Yeah. yeah. But no matter what the outcome, shout out Celine Dion, your heart will go on, Tony. Oh, thank you. Let's wrap it up. Uh, once again, thank you to Alan Saunders. Uh, if you are not following him, uh, if you are listening on or watching on Facebook or Twitter X, you know, we tagged him in the, uh, the show post. So make sure you give Alan a follow and, uh, for all the Steelers information leading up to the game Sunday. Thank you, Alan, again, for joining the show. Uh, shout out to our sponsor, traveling growler, www.travelinggrowler.com quality koozie starting at just $5 shop, local support, local travelinggrowler.com. Look at all those awesome designs. Great gift for uh, the loved one in your family or a loved one outside your family. You can love other people. Love everyone. Who cares? Uh, um, T-shirt store, as we mentioned, the apparel store. One more time. Teespring.com. Search Waiting Not Funny or Google 
Teespring, Winning Not Funny, Hit Search. Uh, check out all the cool designs, all original, all pop culture references as we typically do on this show. Uh, <laughs> think you'll really like what you see. Is that a men's warehouse reference? Well, we're better than men's warehouse. Our apparel is better than men's we warehouse. We guarantee it. Go support the podcast today. Yeah, I guarantee it. I guarantee you'll like a piece of clothing from Woody Not Funny Sports. Uh, where you can find the podcast if you're not viewing in today. And if you are, thank you for giving us your time. If you haven't yet liked, hit that like button. Uh, please subscribe to Built in Buffalo on YouTube and Facebook. Hit that like YouTube and Facebook. But um, if you're listening to the show uh, and want to listen to it or didn't catch it all and want to listen to it on a later date, iTunes, Spotify, wherever your podcasts are listened to for free. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time. We greatly appreciate it. And we really do. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time, if you are a repeat viewer, thank you for coming back and experiencing Witty Not Funny Sports live. Uh, Twitter handle at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter, X Instagram, Witty Not Funny Sports, Facebook, TikTok. Give us a follow on all platforms. We love following back, connecting with Bill's Mafia or Saber Swords people, hashmark, trademark pending on Saber Swords people. I don't know what Sabres fans are called. Sabres Nation. Who knows? We'll get it going. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you want to follow us on Blue Sky at Buffalo Sabres, that's ours. That's us, not the Sabres. Uh, alternate social media feeds. Uh, and finally, send off for the listeners. As we always say, thank you for tuning in. Go Bills. And of course, Go stay Bills. witty out there, everyone. See ya. Peace. Bye. Bye. Later.